Hi, everyone, and welcome to Empowered and Unfiltered. I'm your host, Corinne Catania, and today I'm joined by Zasha Smith, who is a real estate investor in Maui, Hawaii, and she has a really inspiring story that she shares with us about how she left her engineering job to pursue real estate investing full-time and in paradise, no less. And in today's episode, we talk about how to invest in expensive markets, her favorite real estate investing strategy, and so much more. This is a really great listen for anyone who is looking to diversify their income streams, thinking about real estate, or anyone who already has an investment property but looking to get additional insight and some tips and tricks. I really think that you're going to love today's episode, and if you do, please make sure to subscribe and leave a rating if you haven't already. I truly, truly appreciate the love and support that we have gotten thus far. Seriously, I am blown away. If you are a new listener, we're a new podcast, and we are actually in the top 50% of podcasts, which is unreal to me. Um, So thank you. Thank you from the bottom of my heart for those who have been listening. And without further ado, let's jump into this week's episode with Zasha. All right. Welcome, Zasha. Thank you again for coming on the podcast today. I, I can't even tell you how excited I am to chat with you because Number one, you are in Maui, Hawaii, which is my favorite place on earth. I absolutely love it there. And two, I've just been watching you on social media and all the tips and tricks and education that you put out and has been extremely inspiring to not only watch your story, but also all of the advice that you're giving out on your Instagram page. Um, And I'm just a huge advocate for diversifying income streams in any way you can. And real estate is a really great way to do that. Um, So thank you again. And to get us started, can you share some background on yourself and your journey and how you got into real estate investing? Well, thank you for having me and just letting me share my story um, on your podcast. Of course. I... um, I was a civil engineer for 10 years prior to getting into real estate full-time last year. And um, I had not really known the power that, you know, having equity in a home brought and that you could leverage a lot of the debt in your home to buy more assets. And so um, growing up, I didn't really have much money. I lived in affordable housing. And then I put myself through college. And so when I moved back home to Maui, I really wanted to buy my mom a house or, you know, buy a house for the both of us. And at that time, we couldn't afford a house on our own. So we kind of partnered up, bought a house. And then after um, I had met my husband, we sold that house and we made like $150,000 each, like tax free. And so that's when I found out if you if it's your primary residence for the last two out of the five years, you don't have to pay, um, you know, capital gains tax up to a certain amount, of course. And that kind of opened my eyes to make me dive deeper into real estate investing because I was like, wait, every, I get taxed on every single thing. So how am I not getting taxed (laughs) on this? And it's always going to worry. Right. So after that, um, me and my husband were looking around at homes and of course we live in in Maui and it's expensive so in Mm -hmm. 2018 
we were going to buy a house that was six, $700,000. And even though I was an engineer and my husband owned his own plumbing company and we made good money, I said, oh my gosh, what if, you know, I'm always a little bit um, more reserved than he is. And I said, what if something happens to you or me? He was like, oh, we have life insurance. I said, I know, but still that would put us in a little spot. So I said, well, you know, when we sold the house last year, I made this money. So there's got to be a way I see all the shows on flipping and, you know, buying the fixer uppers. Let's try to go that route since he um, was in the plumbing business and he knew contractors and things like that. So we bought one um, and we bought it for around 413. It was a foreclosure. We Mm -hmm. put about 80,000 into it. And um, I would, went to the bank and I was just like, oh my gosh, we just spent all this money on this house. I don't know, you know, what we're going to do now to get that savings back. And the teller was like, well, why don't you refinance or do um, a home equity line of credit? And I was like, what is that? Right. <laughs> I had never known. So I, I definitely financial literacy was mm-hmm. not my strongest point. And I never thought to ask questions because I had never owned a home prior to that. Right. Um, and then so from there, we started leveraging, you know, um, home equity land of credit. We refinanced, got all our money back out and still have considerable equity in our home. It, it appraised at seven fifty. Oh, my so God. Having only yeah, put in about five hundred thousand. It was still had a lot yeah. of equity in it. So that's kind of how I got started. And that just snowballed into me being more curious about taking on it's mitigated risk, right? Like when you buy a fixer upper, you never know where the market's going to be. But at the same time, if you buy it low enough, you kind of, you know, that risk is very much lower than it would be. Yeah, that makes total sense. And I think a lot of people are in a very similar bucket to where you were, where they're they're hearing what's what's a HELOC, what's a home equity line of credit. It's not something that we're taught in school. And so it's either you have to be doing that education on yourself or you're learning it from your own experiences. Um, But that, so was it really your um, first house that you had with your mom or your like first kind of like flip house that really got you interested and hooked in on real estate? It was this, the, the house that we renovated and fixed up and we still live in it right now because. Okay with um buying foreclosures and things like that it there's various things to do with the title that you have to double check or there might be expired permits so Mm -hmm. whenever you're not you're buying things off market there's a little bit of um double checking that you had to do and we didn't know at the time so we still have the house because we're trying to close expired permits on it however we could still leverage the the um, equity in the home to take out more money Got it. That's awesome. And I, and like I said, I feel like this kind of just goes to show you that you don't have to be like a real estate agent or a real estate expert to get into real estate. And I think a lot of people, myself included, um, can let fear of not knowing enough or not having experience enough kind of get in the way of their goals or buying their first property because there's all of those hesitations. And you kind of mentioned you felt the same way. Um, what if this happens? What if that happens? But it seems like you, you really learned through experience. Is that fair in saying, am I fair in saying that? 
Yeah. And after, so after I started to do some research, you know, Google, I found yeah. um, biggerpockets.com. Their site is amazing. So many free resources. Mm -hmm. And I just started listening to the podcast. And then um, from there, just kind of trying things on my own. And so after that, we figured, okay, let's try to do a, a flip and see how it goes. So we bought a small condo um, that okay. was around 300,000. And um, we put about 30 grand into it and we sold it for almost 500. So we made, we made a considerable amount and it was <laughs> way less risk because it was a smaller condo, but yeah. it definitely opened up our eyes to, okay, we could do this flipping thing. We can do, you know, rentals, we can buy a house and renovate it. It's all kind of the same um, concept, right? Where you're buying a property right. that's below market in distress, fixing it up and then either selling it or keeping it. Um, so that really piqued my, my interest into like, okay, the first one, we might've just got lucky. Now the second one, okay, we did it again, you know? So yep. I think after that fact, it really just solidified everything that I had was thinking and then now yeah. putting it into reality. That's incredible. And you were working full time doing this all, right? Yeah. So I worked, I actually worked like 60 hour week, 60 to 70 hour weeks as a civil engineer because we wow. were, yeah, we had big projects. We worked on, it's all the underground um, utilities, grading. We were doing, working on um, a shopping center in Maui mm -hmm. and hotels. So my position in um, my engineering company was pretty high at that time. And looking at that, how we bought this condo and made 100 grand in 45 days. So it took us 30 days to renovate it. And then it closed in 15 days with a cash buyer. I was like, Oh, my gosh, at my engineering job, I'm only making 70,000 a year for 365 <laughs> days versus 100,000 in 45 days. So it's kind of no brainer after that to try to get out. And I I did, you know, grow to like what I did as an engineer, but it definitely wasn't my passion and it was mm -hmm. taking a lot of time away from my family. So what, yeah. what catapulted me into real estate investing was that time freedom and financial freedom. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, 60, 70 hour weeks is, is no joke. That's a lot of time to be away from your family, especially when it's not a passion of yours and you recognize that. Um, so how did you know that it was time to walk away or did you always know, but you were just kind of afraid to take that next step? I was definitely afraid. It was actually my husband that pushed me over to say, yeah. Hey, look, you know, I don't mind being daddy daycare or, you know, spending <laughs> all this time with the kids, cooking them yeah. dinner and showering them. And you come home, you're exhausted. Mm -hmm. um, he definitely was supportive in whatever my endeavors were, okay. but he was like, something has to give, you know, at this point, it's either you kind of take a break from the investing side or, you know, maybe just quit your job, seeing that you're making so much money on your side hustle, you know? Yeah. So like, oh my gosh, but our health insurance, because he's self-employed. Yeah. And he's like, okay, how much is health insurance a month for our family plan was about 1700 a month. Um, and so he's like, you're letting $1,700 a month stop you from like pursuing your passion and getting more time with your family. And I was like, darn it, <laughs> you're right. Oh. So he kind of, he was the, 
the motivation for me to really, um, I always was needed stability and that, mm-hmm. you know, W2 just gave me that consistency where right. just starting in real estate, I didn't, I was like, okay, this is happening. It happened a couple of times, but can I really keep it um, going? Yeah. Yeah. Multiply this. And so, yeah, it was really him last year and it was, it was a good time. You know, it happened right before the pandemic. Okay. Um, and my coworkers were still having to go into work. And I was like, how am I going to take care of the kids? You know, like balancing yeah, all yeah. of it. So it was a blessing in disguise. I love that. So what does your portfolio like look like now? Right now I have um, nine units. They're all on Maui. Mm-hmm. And I have a few multifamily um, and then a few condos. So they're all long-term rentals. Okay. Because my my real passion in the end is to, because I'm um, raised here on Maui and mm-hmm. I see, you know, it is a tourist place where people come and do Airbnbs, but a lot of times, you know, the local community kind of gets, you know, yeah. takes the, the burden of that. And so for me, because I, I was in affordable housing before, I try to um, cater to Section 8 or people with HUD rental assistance and also those who are receiving like Catholic charity or, you know, in some kind of need. Um, And and I still cash flow Mm -hmm. and uh, have considerable equity. So, of course, I'm taking care of, but I want to want to help in that way. You have a mission behind, you know, what you're doing. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I, I know it's I love love Maui and and my husband and I were considering moving there for a little bit but when we started to research all of the locals and there's not a lot of housing there so it's they're being pushed aside and it absolutely is heartbreaking and obviously you know that firsthand I just know that from a google search but um (laughs) (laughs) but I I just thought it was it was crazy when I when I heard all of that. So I love that you have a passion. I'm literally tearing up right now. I love that you uh-huh. have a, um, a passion and a mission behind what you're doing. And I've seen on your Instagram that you love the burr strategy. Yes. Favorite, <laughs> is, that, is that kind of what you're doing going forward or you just, that's just one of your preferred methods? Right now, that's what I'm doing just so that I can take all the money, um, get all yeah. my money out of the uh, rentals and then, you know, recycle it into another one. However, I bought a few in the beginning of this year and it just, it takes about, you know, four to six months to refinance. So you can only do really one at a time. Um, So that's been holding me back a little bit. So I started doing um, creative finance strategies. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. there's ways where you can um, partner with the seller, the homeowner, and you renovate the house and then you can either flip it or you can keep it as a rental, refinance them out of out of their mortgage um, or do seller financing where they, I guess, provide the financing for the home instead of selling it to you. They carry the mortgage for the home if it's paid off. So, OK, I've been because I live in an expensive market and then also I'm getting hit with all these um using the birth strategy, having to go through the banks. Um, a lot of times if you're, you can't get financing using these creative strategies can help you as well. Yeah, absolutely. And that leads me into two things I want to say. So we'll get to creative <laughs> financing in a second, but backing mm-hmm. up just to the birth strategy real quick. 
Um, and for anyone who's like, well, what the heck is a burr strategy? Buy, rehab, rent, repeat, correct? Is that what it is? Get it wrong? Yeah. Buy, rehab, rent, Buy, repeat. Buy, rehab, it. Yeah. rent, refinance, repeat. There we go. Um, <laughs> <laughs> see, this is why you're the real estate investor. Um, can you kind of break that down for anyone who has no idea what that is? <laughs> So basically you buy a uh, distressed property that's under market value, um, you renovate it. So the numbers, the percentage wise, you want to look for a 70% um, below market value, including the renovations. Mm -hmm. And then you rent it out and refinance it through a typical bank. And then you repeat the process. So Initially, a lot of people find it hard to buy a distressed property because it doesn't um, qualify for conventional financing. And so a lot of people don't know that there's things called hard money lenders. You can can also look into private lending. So that's just Mm -hmm. when individuals lend you the money, they become the bank. And I didn't wrap my head around it. I didn't think it was possible before. But there are a lot of people that you know in your circle, your friends, or people that want to support you that, you know, will help you out and loan you money. You, it's it's strange for me to ask people for money, but yeah. once I got used to it and thought of it, it's an opportunity for them, right? They have their money sitting in the bank, you know, like any other investment for that 0.01%. And then, mm-hmm. you know, they make way more putting into the stock market, investing in real estate. So when you become a private lender, you can make, you know, between six to 10% on your money and it's backed by real estate. So if you buy it right, some of my lenders are like, I hope you don't make the payment so I can get the property because you (laughs) you know, if you buy it at such a discount, there's so much equity and it's, it's crazy. So, um, you can buy it initially that way or using, they have lenders, um, they call them hard money lenders that are an institution, kind of like a regular bank. However, they don't have as much um, contingencies on giving you the loan, but then Mm -hmm. it's also at a higher percentage rate. Got it. Okay. So is it usually, do they usually get a percentage, like interest? Is that what we're talking about? Yes. Okay. Interest. So they're not, not of like the house. You're not splitting like that, are you? Well, it just depends on the terms. Okay. So the, the beauty of private money is you can set the terms if they're okay Got with it. it. But if they're funding the whole thing, um, some lenders want equity in the deal as well. Yeah. So I guess it really just depends on like the individual and their preferences. Um, but that was because I was looking into that as well. And I'm like, this is awkward to ask anyone if they're even interested in real estate. Um, and, but what I love though, going back to bigger pockets on their calculator, um, is you can actually put like a picture of the house, all of the details on the home and print it out. So if you are looking, you know, speaking to someone who you think is interested in real estate investing, you can do it in like a professional way where it shows them exactly all of the house details, what you think it's going to cash flow for every month, the appreciation, everything. Um, that way it's not just you trying to just show them a property on Zillow or Redfin and be like, yeah, this is what I want. And <laughs> Right. And so I I always tell people too, like we go through a title company, everything is legit. It's not through a real estate agent, which people are used to. However, it's the same process. So they're, you know, 
that the title gets reviewed by the um, escrow company's attorneys. Like everything is written up, drafted, and reviewed by professionals. Okay, that's awesome. Um, going back to the Burr method, quick. Are there any specific renovations, like redoing the kitchen, that help the house appreciate more? Have you found in Maui, or is it kind of just specific to like the property and the house? I think it's just specific. Depends. Like for me, um, to add value as well, I add bedrooms to the property. Um, mm-hmm. I will add more storage. So if you increase the square footage or add bedrooms or add another bathroom, that definitely Mm -hmm. adds a lot of value. Of course, always renovating the kitchens and bathrooms will add value as well. But I find the bedroom count is, is a really big one that has added a lot of value to the appraisal. Yeah, that, that definitely makes sense. And I know, um, a lot of houses on Maui have, what do they call them? Ohana home, Ohana homes. Yeah. Right? So yeah. It's, it's like a detached dwelling. Yeah. Yeah. I saw that. <laughs> we were looking at houses one day. I was like, oh, how to home? What's that? And I Googled it. Um, it's basically our version in New York of a basement apartment, except not in the basement. So it's nicer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so how do you find deals? I mean, you are in one of the hottest markets in the U.S., so in the past, I used to go to foreclosure auctions at the courthouse, mm-hmm. um, and then the moratorium came about, so that kind of dried up. But now it's mostly relationship based. So people okay. will bring agents will bring me properties prior to hitting the market. Attorneys will let me know, hey, I have this person who is in need. You know, do you think they can help? You can help them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then through other investors, I partner a lot more um, than I did before. So I think when I first started, I thought I have to figure this out all on my own. And, yeah. you know, it's not that I had like a scarcity mindset. I just didn't know. And mm-hmm. then once I started going to meetups and meeting other investors and really putting myself around people who had that abundance mindset, I was like, okay, mm-hmm. of course, you always have to do your due diligence before yeah. you partner. But the fact that you're more open. You can do more deals. Yes, the spread is thinner because now you're partnering, but the um, amount of stress and the roles that you are able to take on um, because you're spreading it out between each other, it's it's definitely created more time for myself because I partner. That makes sense. And that's what you're in it for, right? You're in it for the time freedom. You're in it to be spending more time with your family. So if you're able to... Um, you know, reduce the amount of time that you're working on a specific project and share it with someone else, then that makes perfect sense. Do you ever um, like drive for dollars? I know that's referenced a lot in bigger pockets. Do you just drive around different neighborhoods and and take a look? Yeah. So I do that as well. I've, we've contacted a bunch of homeowners, however, here, because the price of living is so expensive. Yeah. People don't are more likely not to want to sell or take offense <laughs> if you yeah. approach their door, but I still do it. I still um, door knock, but I yeah. think we, we've we sent mailers before and then we also uh, skip trace. So we look up people's numbers okay. and call them. And if they don't, then we go and try to knock their door. And I know, of course, you have a mission behind what you're doing, but in terms of 
Are you looking for cash flow? Are you uh, looking for appreciation, both, or is there one that you prefer over the other? Definitely both, um, but I would rather take cash flow over appreciation. So that's why I do have lower price point condos mm-hmm. um, that are in like, you could say they're like C minus D complexes, okay. um, but they're very affordable. They're under 200,000. And mine probably cash flow about 500 to 1,000, just depending if it's paid off or not. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would prefer those right now to buying something just for appreciation. Yeah. That makes sense. And I know in, in my market, that's one of the reasons why I don't have an investment property right now, because I would run the numbers and like nothing is cash flowing. And if they are, it's like a hundred dollars. I'm like, well, if something goes wrong or like $50, I'm like, if something goes wrong, like that $50 has gone real quick and where are the negatives? Um, yeah. So I'm waiting for a good deal. Well, and that's why when I, when I was talking about creative, like getting creative with the homes as well, that's why I look for things that, like how you said, if there's a basement, then you can make that into an additional rental. You know, if there's a garage, you can turn that into a studio. Um, I look for more so multifamily or homes that can be turned into multifamily. So you have that extra income and it works. It's not a lot, but it does turn out to be more beneficial than keeping a single family home. Yeah. I saw on Bigger Pockets too, and I'm forgetting his name, but he just did like a multifamily too in, in Maui. Um, so you have a good group out there. Yeah. All of Bigger Pockets is moving out here. <laughs> I know. I'm jealous. <laughs> I'm so jealous, but that is, and I heard a funny story actually on a different podcast that, um, you bought a house that Brandon Turner was like looking at. <laughs> yeah, his girlfriend or his wife's um, best friend lives next door to the house that I bought. And it's on a small cul-de-sac. There's only like four homes. But immediately mm-hmm. when I drove past it, um, I was like, oh, my gosh, this, there's broken down cars. You know, the typical yeah. um, distressed property everything's overgrown there's trash mattresses appliances in the yard yeah it was crazy so we I did mail him um and then left a card on the door we tried to call him couldn't reach him and then door knocked and then finally you know was able to negotiate with him Mm -hmm. and uh when I posted about it Brandon was like I was looking at that house (laughs) I've been meaning to every day I drive past it with my wife and I tell her like I'm I need to go door knock that house. And yeah, yeah, I got to it first. Snooze you lose, right? (laughs) Right. (laughs) That is so funny. And I think of everything or out of our conversation so far, one thing that's really um, been a focus or what I've been hearing you say is to get creative and to to find creative options, honestly, Um, because it seems like they're out there. You just have to really work to find them. Right. And there was my last flip that I did. It was actually the sellers who wanted to partner with me and they had brought it up. I've I've been learning about creative financing and structuring, you know, subject to deals and things like that. But I'd never had the chance to because it's so expensive here. Yeah, it's, it's really hard to find creative deals. But these sellers, their house had been kind of had kind of been run down and they wanted to present it to, you know, 
the Maui community as this nice home. So they were like, oh, can we partner? You bring the renovation funds. We'll split the profit. And I was like, yeah, we can do, we can honestly, that's why it's for me better not to have my real estate license because I can be more flexible. I don't okay. have to follow any sort of, you know, of course, follow Guide the law, lines. but like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> any rules, you know, licensing yep. rules or anything like that. So we were able, it was definitely a win-win. It was more so a pride thing to being in a mm-hmm. small community. You never want to put your, you know, if you have so many memories in a home and you think about it, they've, they've owned it for a very long time. They want it to be out there in full glory. So that's, yeah, it was very, they were very thankful to, um, because a lot of, I think during COVID, a lot of hotel workers were out of work. We actually shut down our airport. So there was no flights coming in or out for like six months, I want to say. Um, oh. Only inter-island. Yeah. So there was no mainland and mainland flights coming in during that time. Um, but I, everybody is still trying to bounce back from that, being a, a tourist-driven industry. Yeah. And now um, you can't even have... I think it was like 10 people gatherings the restaurants you have to be vaccinated in order to go eat there um, they're very strict on on the covid guidelines here i saw yeah we um we were supposed to go there i forget when maybe like world shut down in march probably like july and then we rescheduled it for um september rescheduled it for like january and then we're like you know what like it's not not really working out right now but i i've been following the news and it's really sad to see so hopefully it bounces back and and people aren't too much affected but i'm sure you're seeing like a significant change since covid yeah and i i for me, when I approach homeowners who are in distress, especially financial, I let them know all their options. Mm-hmm. You know, you can do a loan modification. Um, there's all these assistance programs out there for people you can get a personal loan or try to, you know, ask your family. So I'm definitely the last resort. And right. because, like I said, just being local, I never want to come across like yeah. you know, somehow you feel a different way about me you know, taking over your property. Mm -hmm. So I always make sure they know all the options before. I mean, like, look, I'm here. I don't necessarily need, you know, to make money off you or anything like that, but I'm here to help you. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's like the right ethical thing to do. You know, it's, (laughs) it's a hard time. We don't want to make it any, any harder, but knowing that they have options, I think is really important. Um, But what would you say to someone who's kind of holding back on investing on a property. One of the things that, because I actually was working with someone who we were going to partner together and buy our first property, they ended up backing out um, because of concerns on laws making it harder to evict someone if they don't pay. Did you have any concerns of that? Or what would you say to someone who has those hesitations? I would say if you have enough set aside in reserves, if Mm -hmm. you buy it, you know, definitely below market value. And then every month you take into consideration putting aside a part of their rent um, for reserves or Mm -hmm. emergency type situations, then you should be fine. But it all has to do, again, with your due diligence when you're Mm -hmm. 
vetting um, tenants because, you know, do the background check, call their old employers, call their past landlords. It's, it's you really on you to make sure you get the right person in there. Even if you have to wait another month, I would rather wait another month than have to go through the eviction process. And for Hawaii, we are also a tenant friendly state. And Mm -hmm. so I just did an eviction recently. Luckily they moved out after I'm very quick. If they are past that, the fifth day um, of not paying rent, then I automatically, I give them five more days. And then I kind of start like, okay, you have 15 days to pay, send them a legal notice and things Mm -hmm. like that. So I don't let it get too far. And even though we are, we are a tenant friendly state, it just depends on how much that renter or tenant will push back on you. So if you try your best to negotiate with them or even say, okay, let's do a weekly plan, like pay me weekly a hundred dollars a week or whatever the case may be, or there's you know, these Catholic charity programs that you can apply yeah. for that will help you with rental assistance. I think just giving them like, just like the other distressed sellers, not these distressed renters, um, yeah. options to, um, to pay or ways they can pay by getting assistance is really, has really helped a lot of people recently. Yeah, definitely. That's some great advice. Cause I know that that's a big um, hesitation that I hear from a lot of people and also on bigger pockets. I feel like I've seen that a lot on the forum recently as well, just because of like new laws that have been passed and and things like that. Um, so yeah, definitely great advice. Thank you for that. And I also hire like a professional eviction company. So I don't Ooh, try to okay. do it on my own. Um, it did cost me around $700, but that was well worth, you know, and then the two months of rent that I kept the security deposit. Okay. Um, yeah, but that definitely helped me because now there are new laws. So last month they put in a new, new law into place here where you also have to offer mediation services. Mm-hmm. Um, and the mediation people reach out to the renters. They reach out to you. They try to um, resolve the issue. So that's one thing I didn't Got know it. about. I thought you just give them the 15 days to vacate, and then they have to be out, or you can move forward with the eviction process. So definitely. If you're worried about that, hiring an actual company that knows mm-hmm. all the recent laws and everything that's in place now would definitely benefit you or put a little safety net on yourself too, because everybody's worried about getting sued and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. So if you hire them from the start, you don't really have to worry. Perfect. Thank you. I didn't even know those types of companies existed, to be honest. <laughs> um, but makes sense. Um, another thing that you know, I think uh, holds a lot of people back is maybe thinking that they don't have enough money to invest. And I think, you know, you touched on it before. It's finding creative ways, uh, private money lender, hard money lender. Um, Do you think that that's a reason why someone should maybe not invest in real estate? Because say they, they think that you have to have like hundreds of thousands of dollars to be able to do so, or you think anyone can do it as long as they do it creatively so there are different ways where you can start there is a way you can start by wholesaling to make money so I think for me honestly I would I would suggest somebody starting out have a little bit of reserves of course you could start with no money and get you know private money and fund your deals I do that right now I don't use any of my own money however um just for 
for your backup, I would start with a little bit of reserves and you mm -hmm. can definitely do the driving for dollars, find leads, and then lock up the deal, sign a contract with the owner and then sell the contract itself. So now you sell okay. it to another investor for, you know, say 10 grand. And now you have 10 grand in reserves and then you can use now use that to start your own investing journey. But okay, so that's wholesaling. Yes. Okay. So you definitely you assign a contract. So you don't buy something to go and flip it or rent it. You can start mm -hmm. off just selling a contract of an owner who agrees to sell at a certain price, sell that to an investor. Got and it. Start making money that way. So it's basically like finding deals for yes. investors. Okay. You find that a deal sense. and then you sell it to an investor. Now how so you're do not you Yeah. Yeah. And so now do you how do you um find an investor maybe if you don't if you just start asking friends and family or is there like a website going to local meetups is how okay. i've connected with other investors and especially if they're in your market you want to go to those so on bigger pockets they have a networking tab that has okay. local meetups you can just google your you know maui investor meetups or mm -hmm. something along those lines and just being around people who are doing it um, in your market is probably the best way to connect and just see what what they're looking for. Gear your yeah. your plan towards that, and then you already have a a buyer. Yeah. So networking is very important. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. I I'm going to um, look for definitely some networking on bigger pockets around my area because I haven't seen any, but I also haven't looked for any. So. That could be why. <laughs> and a lot are online now too. So I mean, it, with Zoom and everything yep. being popular, a lot of people do it online. So it's easier to attend. Power of the internet. Right. <laughs> no excuses now. Exactly. Especially like after COVID, everything was accelerated that we have, you know, these tools that have always been in place, but now we're really, really using them. It's, it's incredible. I mean, I'm still working from home and it's, how many months in? <laughs> um, but yeah, so definitely we'll look into networking and um, recommend that as well. And what about, would you also look at local meetups and networking for people who are like contractors and lawyers and things like that? Um, do you find that from networking as well? Definitely from those people, those investors who are there. So you mm -hmm. want to get their contacts, okay. however, you know, ask them for referrals because they'll already be familiar with real estate investing a lot. Right. There's a lot of lawyers and people out there that don't know about investing. So mm -hmm. you want somebody that's specific to the field and who has already worked with for an sure. investor. And there's a lot of like tax laws and regulations very specific to real estate. So I feel like that's super important to find somebody who knows the industry like in and out to be able to get you the best information. Yeah. All right. So if anyone is listening or someone's listening to this podcast and is like, hell yes, I am ready and going to buy my first property as soon as possible. Um, two part question here, but one, what advice do you like have for them? And two, is there anything that they should have like in place or should they build the relationships prior to like finding a property? That makes sense. 
Yes. Uh, so number one, like I told you before, if you are ready to go, definitely go on bigger pockets. It's free, you know, and you and you're looking to spend minimal money. Um, follow other people on social media that are doing what you want to do or in invest mm-hmm. investing space. Um, and then go to the meetups and just meet other investors, see what they're doing, see what works in your market, because a lot of different strategies are market dependent. And right. if you're an expensive market like we are, there's you've got to get a lot more creative. But if mm-hmm. you're in a market that's at a lower price point, you might not have to work as hard as we do. And yep. you won't know that until you surround yourself with other people that are looking in the same area as you. That's yeah, great advice. And I think also every area is is different, like you said, and different strategies work. So for example, I think, you know, Maui, either long-term or short-term works here. It's more long-term, at least where I'm in the suburbs. No one's really coming here for a vacation. <laughs> um, but then there's areas like Phoenix, Arizona, and Scottsdale where you have short-term rentals. So it really depends on where you are. And actually speaking of that, are you considering doing any, um, any like deals off of Maui or off of Hawaii, or are you really going to concentrate where you are now? I started looking into it, um, just because the price point is so high Mm -hmm. and I haven't really found anything. I do want to get into, um, short-term rentals Mm -hmm. here. It's, it's pretty expensive. I mean, the condo prices, um, are between four to yeah. five hundred thousand, so it's it's um, a big price difference. But I started looking out of state in Indianapolis and um, a few other places, but nothing really kind of jumped out at me. And I don't really know those areas, so it's a little bit harder yeah. for me to just jump right. But not saying you can't do it. There's mm-hmm. um, a few books on out of state investing. Um, but right now, since yeah. I have so many flip projects and rentals, um, keeping my, I don't want to spread myself too thin. Right. Exactly. And again, especially coming down to the core reason why you're doing this in the first place. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I was looking at um, a few places, but it's nerve wracking to look and and not see a property and to just kind of have to place an offer just by seeing it on Zillow because- I mean, I know you know probably that um, houses sometimes are a lot different when you see them in person. Right. And there's something just about being able to go and check on it or go and see it mm-hmm. versus virtually just praying that it's still even there. It even there. <laughs> yeah, not on fire. Like everything's right. good. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, is there anything else you kind of want to bring up to listeners that we want to touch on? I am always open. The best place to reach me at is um, on Instagram at mm-hmm. invest with Sasha with a Z, Z-A-S-H-A. And I'm pretty responsive to messages. Uh, and like I mm-hmm. said, my overall goal is really to give back. So however, I can inspire other people to start, um, whether it be free resources or paid coaching programs. I, mm-hmm. I have re- more recently been investing in self-education and coaching um, yeah, because that. that's how I've been able to scale. However, I did start for free and learning on my own. So mm-hmm. if you have a lot of time or you know, you're know you not looking to scale as fast, definitely getting that um, experience in your market first would be helpful. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm always, I'm always, open and definitely want to want to give back any way I can. 
Love it. And I'll have all of your details in the episode description. So if you're listening and, and just want to see the, you know, your social media handle and things like that, it'll be in the episode description when you're listening. But thank you so much for coming on. I think this is incredible and hopefully will inspire others if they've been thinking about real estate investing to jump in and hopefully it answered some questions um, that they had. Thank you. All right, my friends, that wraps up today's episode with Zasha. I truly just enjoyed chatting with her and getting to know her a bit more and learning from her. And if this has sparked some curiosity for you with real estate investing, I highly recommend following her on Instagram. Her details are in the episode description. Um, And just a last reminder, I know, I know, I'm annoying. You've heard this a million times already. But if you enjoyed today's episode and you haven't already, please make sure to subscribe and leave a rating. It really, really helps us as a new podcast. And I will leave you with that. We will chat more on next week's episode of Empowered and Unfiltered. I'll see you then.